1: What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing, but wonderful thing we call the world.
0: Hello, welcome to What Should I Think About? I'm Stephen and today I have... Producer Bob. Producer Bob, welcome to the the show, Producer Bob again. Um, So normally we'd have had Jordan as well, who is from the Shund Experience, but he's not able to make it tonight. So um, he sends his apologies, but we'll get jordan on another time again um so we we're kind of we were picking up where we left off weren't we producer bob last time yep. we thought we were going to cover a lot more ground than we did um and <laughs> so uh, what what was the one we wanted to talk about today
1: right <clears throat> so we are going to talk about the work of sophia colfus K- who um she did raised in a cult Psychological and social adjustment of format cult members.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, she was an ex JW, and um, uh, yeah, very, very good bit of research. I think it was for her degree, wasn't it? It was her yes, yeah. her um, BSc that she was doing in that's psychology. Right, yeah. So uh, she was presenting at the international. Conference, uh, Cultic Studies Association Conference. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'll let you start, really. Do you want to tell us about some of the highlights that you thought were really interesting in that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the best place to start, really, was um, the three questions that she posed, what she wanted to gain out of the study. So um, Mm. the questions for the listeners are, uh, number one, how do cults maintain group membership and ensure strict adherence to their norms? Two, what within group influence have those raised in cults experienced and what do they perceive was the impact on their psychological and social development? And three, how do the social influences commonly observed within cultic groups impact an individual's ability to leave and to adjust to life outside of the group upon defection.
0: Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot in there, isn't there? Um, Yeah, this is uh, going to
1: be an interesting uh, chat, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, She had eight participants,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, and it's a qualitative study. Um, So uh, I think we've talked about this. We may have talked about it on the last one. Um, But in research, it, it tends to be divided into qualitative and quantitative studies. Um, Quantitative studies tend to be survey studies where you get lots of people answering survey questions and then you do a bunch of number Mm -hmm. crunching on it to find out, you know, 50% said this, you know, 70% said that. Um, Whereas qualitative studies um, tend to have fewer participants, like eight is obviously quite a small number, um, mm. But you're able to d- dive really deeply into the, the experiences of those individuals. So it really is about understanding mm. their own experiences. Um, and I think it's important to have both, actually. Um, mm. But we, we're probably a bit light on the quantitative studies in this area. Um, mm. So I think most of the studies on this, uh, on the Cultic Studies um, Convention, were qualitative. Um, but and this was one of those, it was fa- absolutely fascinating.
1: Yeah.
0: So what what uh, what did you like about uh, about that? Yeah.
1: Then? Well, um, obviously, as the listeners know, yourself and I have got a background in the JW, Jehovah's Witness yeah. uh, religion, but her study wasn't just about. Jehovah's Witnesses, mm. even though right. she herself was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness, she didn't actually go into all of the different religions that people belong to that were mm. in the today, but she just um, talked about how they all spoke about some things that were very similar. So what she mm. said that she came across that most of the group all said similar things, and some of them was um, indoctrination, indoctrination. And um, their, their world view was very black and white thinking. Mm. Um, position themselves as an elite circle that exists within a decrepit system. Outside influences <laughs> are limited based on impurity. Within group influences mm. are maximised to an all-encompassing degree. Um, the per- pervasiveness and intensity within the group pressures serves to foster members' co- uh, dependency on the group and she said that yeah. the accounts of her participants in the study matched with some of existing literature that she studied that describes these as cultic structures so um, mm. they all fit yeah. within um, what has previously been learned about high control groups, religions, Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah absolutely
0: yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, definitely all of that. Um, yeah. She had some interesting slides that um, she kind of, I quite like the way she presented it. Obviously, it's difficult mm. to explain it on a podcast, but um, she kind of put all of these findings into a kind of graphic and mm. um, that was quite a nice way of seeing everything in one go, really. She talked mm-hmm. about, um, so this, this group is only the one that uh, that has the truth and nobody else i mean that that yes. totally resonates doesn't it <laughs> yeah um, yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean just that, talking about that when you just talked about the truth um mm-hmm. she talked about that as loaded language yes and um, and she mentioned um lifton uh, who studied mm, that's uh, right. he, he gave that as one of his eight criteria and yes. uh, he said that loaded language refers to terminology which is used to reinforce the us and them mm. mentality and like you just said this is the truth or this, absolutely. the church is the only true religion that that sort of um language.
0: absolutely we um yes. i think she's got down there one of the quotes we're no part of the world um yeah so that's um yeah that rings bells doesn't it but it, oh, I, mean, yeah. I think we, we mentioned this last time um we, we sort of started to think about some of the the language and it it is quite um unbelievable really how much of your language was especially when you were with jehovah's witnesses you know other fellow witnesses mm-hmm. how much of the way you taught was uh was part of this this loaded language i mean it's fair to say that in any group you know you you develop your own jargon and that's that's mm-hmm. true in any organization in any social context you know if you're in a you know whatever um job you do you'll you'll have a kind of um a, a lingo that that you're yeah. that you and your you have fellow professional that that. that's right yeah. yeah um so I think it's a natural process, but the fact that it's loaded i think is the interesting thing so with mm. it's loaded with um with moral and you know um mm. ethical inferences you know so it's not just a, a neutral thing. It's loaded with a whole bunch of baggage yeah. that comes along with it. Um, so being no part of the world isn't just a description; it's a it's a command, and it and it reinforces this distrust of the the other, doesn't it? So it's that's that's how it's yeah. loaded. Um, yeah, and
1: as like what you've just said, I mean, we, we used to call people that weren't Jehovah's Witnesses worldly people.
0: Worldly, Remember that's that right. Definitely. Worldly
1: people and, or even um, those
0: in the organization who were a bit you know dressed a bit worldly so it, mm. it 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 was a it was a kind of uh pejorative term for people who kind of skated a little bit close to the edge sometimes you yeah. know, well, that's a bit yeah. of a worldly dress you're wearing or,
1: yeah or oh, that's a worldly haircut he's sporting <laughs> Or, as we know, with the infamous tight pants Tony yeah, rant, um, pan- Oh, that's a bit of a worldly suit, you know, that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I can't remember, um, did you break down the different types of groove? I, I can't see that. Um, but, yes, as you said, it wasn't just uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't think it was only religions, was it? It was, there was quite a, a variety there. Uh, what else did we see within these these specific groups that were similar? So I think identity was is a big one that we yeah the we identity one was over
1: over. Uh, something I was going to say yeah definitely mm. she said um, she talked about that the difference between people that converted as adults and those that were born yeah. into cults mm. and yeah. she talked about the identity that surrounds that because. The pseudo-cult personality, as she put it, that overlays on top of your existing personality of converted members, and then eventually that disintegrates Disintegrates after the individual leaves the group. But then she made the point, and I think this is interesting, that raised in members do not have the luxury of returning mm. to their former selves because they were not given that opportunity to form an identity separate from the group and mm. what they've been taught, the yeah. moulded that's right. Um, particularly during um, critical developmental periods, you know, if you get them when they're children, mm. um, you as, as they grow older, they're going to really struggle um, yeah. if they decide that the court is no longer for them. You know, as we've come across probably in the XJW community, mm. um, people really do struggle with, like everything I mean even your podcast what should I think about you say it yourself don't Mm. you at the start of your podcast you know your whole life Mm. you were taught what to think what to believe what to say what to do and then you suddenly you've got this freedom and you're like oh what Mm. do I do with that
0: absolutely (laughs) the what should I think about podcast has been going now since around November 2020 and we've really enjoyed doing it We release at least two shows a week, it's about eight a month of course, with Sunday being an interview and Wednesday being our discussion about a new subject each week. We love you our listeners and we really value the interaction we have with you and we want to keep the podcast going. Currently I pretty much work on the podcast full time, researching topics, booking guests, recording and editing, with Celine working part time doing very much the same things. So in order for us to keep going and continue to improve, we've reached that point in the life of a podcast where we have to make some decisions about how we support it financially. Most podcasts have ads, either that are delivered by the podcast hosts or from third parties that interrupt the show. We really don't want to do that. We want to keep the What Should I Think About podcast ad-free. So we're going to try something different to most podcasts. We'd like to ask you if you think this podcast is worth a pound or a dollar 50 or a euro 20 a month or whatever the equivalent is in your own currency. If you think it's worth that, we'd like to invite you to become a member or a patron for just that. So how we're doing it is we're flattening out our tiers on Patreon to just our single lowest tier. For those patrons, not only will you get the two public podcasts a week, but you'll also get exclusive video each month, bonus content of at least one a month and probably more, and exclusive access to the What Should I Think About Facebook private group where you can contribute to our Ask Us Anything episodes coming up soon and talk about the show. We've got other plans too that will make your pound or $1.50 even better value we can't say too much about that yet we really want to make access to this community possible to everyone and we think this minimal amount will do that while providing the show with a small income in order for us to keep going so the next few weeks we'll be flattening out our tiers on patreon and providing all benefits through the lowest tier currently known as loss aversion for just a pound or its equivalent in your own currency so please consider being part of our community. Thank you. The link to our Patreon page can be found in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. and That's something that we explore with the... I mean, we explore it regularly, to be to be fair, but it just yeah. reminds me of um, an interview that by the time you hear this, you probably will have been able to hear it, which is the one with Jeffrey Wallace and the book... That he's written yes. a voice from inside, um, yeah. He talks about that quite a lot because, um, again, he's somebody that was raised um, as a witness. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's I think that's a really problematic um, area that that you know I, I know we've spoken before about this, yes. and and it's something that I think probably needs a lot more work on. Um, so I guess one of the questions that I'd like to see develop more is: is um, are these completely different phenomena? So is the process, the psychological process of um, somebody being raised in a high control group or a cult, is it essentially the same thing that's happening to somebody who's who's brought in? Uh, are these the same, or you know, are they are they close enough for us to be able to say there's there's lots of similar things happening. Or are they completely different so that we really ought to be looking at them as two completely separate cases? Mm. Um, and I, I, my gut feel is that we've only fairly recently started to look seriously at the born-ins. And I think that's mm. just something to do with his history, really. Because if you think about the history of cults and these sorts of groups, um, we've only really started to see second third fourth generations from them the modern day type cults anyway you know yeah. so they sort of started around the sort of 60s 70s and so on yeah um in any kind of decent amount of numbers so the majority of people psychiatrists um therapists were seeing would be people who'd been dragged into them but fast forward 50 years later there's people like you and me <laughs> Yes, um, and Elgin, yeah. who we interviewed recently from the Moonies and so on. You know, these are the these are the offsprings of, of the people who were brought in to these groups. Yeah.
1: And also on that point, um, I think it is relevant. Um, particularly in the UK, there are a lot of um, uh, people that moved over from um, countries and they brought their religions with them. Mm. And, you know, particularly perhaps uh, Muslims and they have um, got their children, which were born in this country yeah. and they've brought them up as Muslims. But then I, I've i been to um, some talks before where it's been discussed that they have their own identity crisis because at home they are under strict mm. um, Islamic Muslim upbringing. But when yeah. they go to school or college they're in, um, exposed to the Western style of mm. learning or the Western style of personalities of teenagers around them, and then they they struggle with that. So I um, I think it's really interesting, really, when you when you start to think about if you impose your beliefs on somebody else and insist that they follow what you believe, and in this case they're your children. Mm. Really, what are you creating? Because it's just creating a big psychological um, eventually a mess yeah. for some people isn't it because yeah. you don't they don't know what what to believe for themselves or whether they're just following something because it's family tradition or whether they're following it because they actually believe it
0: yeah i mean it's it's a really really good question isn't it um, and it's because yeah. it's all so wrapped up with um you know wider identity isn't it social identity um culture yes and, um you, you know there's there's so much there that's relevant um if you're a parent um which obviously I am a parent i i i think about my daughter and i think you know how do i know what what i want to teach her you know and what and, and of course i'm going to raise her in a way that i think is right um yes. it just happens to be that i you know i, I wanted her to have critical thinking skills for herself and, and be able to um you know make make her own decision but i guess um i have guided her upbringing and i think every, all parents would and that's kind of their job isn't it so you, yes. you, you know you're going to raise them with ideas about right and wrong you know it's wrong to tell lies and it's wrong to hurt people and it's good to help people and and so on and so on so you're you're socializing your children and and part of that for many people is is a religious belief so it's very difficult to to kind of take that that apart I mean Jordan was asking a similar question last time yeah I'm not I'm not not sure the answer I think for me one of the main things is that children have a Uh, a variety of inputs which again comes back to our homeschooling point if they have nothing to do with anyone else outside then then you i think you do worry that they're, they're just becoming completely um in this bubble
1: yes yeah definitely
0: okay so there's lots of similarities across these groups although you know some of them were quite different in their aims. They they essentially used lots of the same stuff, which I guess doesn't surprise us. Um, and then she talked about leaving. So she talked... Uh, There's a couple of things there that really stood out to me. Um, and yeah. well, it was interesting to see whether you got the, same,
1: the um, same thing. Well, I think basically when she talked about the process of leaving, she talked about the amount of internal struggle yeah that all of the people that were part of the study had experienced and the problem is that that came along with that is because this the cults the totalitistic system that they were involved in they have put themselves on a pedestal as the only source of truth and it means that if you question anything there's something wrong with you because you're you're doubting Yeah. And then, of course, that then starts the psychological um, st- uh, struggle that you might h- endure, like depression, mm. mental health problems. And then if you don't feel happy as well, you start to think, oh, I'm not spiritual enough. There's something wrong with me.
0: Yeah.
1: So you internalise it. Definitely. And that's what everybody that decided to leave said that they felt yeah,
0: uh, that that was the standout thing to me. That I, it just resonated yeah. so much because um, yeah. it's it comes up again and again, really. Producer Bob on, on our um, on our interviews, you know. Uh, I remember Ali Miller, the um, the writer. She was one of our first interviews. Yeah. You know, and ex- she said exactly that. You know, it must be me. There must be something wrong yes. with me. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't you know do. about you, but I felt that. Mm
1: absolutely I absolutely i mean one of the things she said and i completely resonated with this was that um that before they got to that point and they were starting to have their doubts which they didn't voice they doubled down in their spirituality yeah. they tried really hard to increase their involvement in the religion mm. and um that's what i did and mm. I know Jordan, who, like we've talked about, would normally be mm. on the podcast with us, did the same. You try really hard. You think, oh, I'm going to really give this a go. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's me. It's me that's doubting. Mm. There must be something wrong with me. So if I just throw myself into this, I'll see what everybody else sees. Yeah. I'll see the light. Yes. Oh, I'll be the ultra spiritual, in my case, Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. I doubled down on praying, I um, really tried hard, and I still personally didn't mm. feel any enlightenment. No. I didn't feel this great Holy Spirit come to me. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, did you Did no. you go through that as well? I did,
0: and, and I think, um, again, this is something that comes up in the book, um, Wallace's book that, that I've been talking about. Um, you know, you go to the assemblies, don't you, and you think, um, oh, I'm really looking forward to the assembly <laughs> because I need some yeah. spiritual um uplift you injection. know injection <laughs> yeah so you go and 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 you do you feel after two days or three days or whatever you, you feel right you know and it's like a it's like almost like your kind of new year's resolution You're you're ready <laughs> yeah. again aren't you to uh, to do the day's text every day and um, oh gosh yeah and uh, neil when you're praying just
1: you saying that just quickly let me interject sorry to interrupt what? um somebody posted on twitter today i thought it was quite funny um they were talking about the Days Text and they put like, you know, that every January they had a New Year's resolution. They were gonna read the Day's text yeah. every day. And they said it usually lasted to about the sixth of January. <laughs> and then they picked it up again on the 31st of December and thought, Oh, I've gotta do this again next year. And I was yeah. the same. I I yeah. I could never do it. I never did it. Oh, I don't boring, know whether you managed it? to do
0: it. No, it was so dull. It was dull as yeah. dishwater. But it was um but it was only a tiny little passage, really. I mean, it would literally take you five minutes to read it, but yeah. the effort seemed to be huge, didn't it? Because it oh. was, it was so dull.
1: And they used to really guilt trip you, didn't they, in yeah. the meetings and stuff? Do Have the you read day. the daily text? Oh. Or if you ever went to the the ministry group, it was always, "Shall yeah. we discuss today's daily text?" And I used to think, "Oh gosh, I haven't read it," you know. No
0: just yeah i know so yeah so you'd, you'd have these um these moments of um really what it was was it was it, it was just um you were essentially reprogramming yourself at those at mm. those meetings or you're allowing yourself to be re-indoctrinated again and then you'd have a little bit more energy to carry on again in mm. all these ridiculous practices that you had to do but but yeah it was yeah. um it was very strange, yeah. Um, so yes, I do. I do think that on leaving, there is what we've been finding. Obviously, our interviews are not are not research; they are just interviews. But I think, in some respects, they are data. Um, mm-hmm. And we found that so many people talk about a, a, a long process. I don't know about. Uh, I think you may have said the same. But there's like a bit of a false start often. So there's a period where somebody thinks you know that that they're gonna walk down that road to to leave but then they don't you know they come back and then they they pick it up again and um, Mm. there can be quite a number of those moments where they think they're gonna leave or they've got doubts or they struggle but then they they rally again and I think that's Mm. that's down to this um process you know you 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 think well it must be me maybe if I can do this maybe if I can do that Mm. um then You know, I I, I can get back to to where I want to get to. Absolutely.
1: Um, And she also mentioned, and I thought this was interesting because I know people, again, in the XJW community have mentioned this. If you do happen to talk to somebody else in the high control group about your doubts or your questions, they quickly get shut down by that other person. Yeah. And then... That means that, that sh- it shut down, so you don't get any positive response to what you, you're you trying to talk about. So then you internalise it again. So it's another thought-stopping technique that's sure. used on you. Yeah. And everybody in the court is programmed to act the same way. As we know, recently, again, sorry, I know we keep referring to Jehovah's Witnesses, but that's yeah, background. Yeah, that's our experience. Yeah. Um, the recent convention for 2021 20, uh, where... They were particularly doubling down mm. on their rants about what they consider apostates, which, as again, going back to them changing terminology, they don't consider apostates the dictionary definition of the apostate. Mm. They um, consider apostates um, to be basically wicked, evil. Mm do uh, no good doers against their religion mm. and anybody that's um, a nice they're against the jehovah's witness religion is shot down in flames mm. and it's drummed into you as a jehovah's witness any sort of doubt or questioning of the religious beliefs which ultimately is the governing body and what they say that person's an apostate yeah that's
0: right. so
1: again if you have got questions you're terrified of being seen as an apostate so it's just such mm. a mess really because where do you go with your mm. questions or your doubts mm. because if you do voice them you open yourself up to being labeled and getting into all sorts of trouble absolutely. with that
0: absolutely yeah you're very very aware and well i was very aware um i mean it maybe it may the case that some are not that aware and they get themselves into trouble um, mm. because they kind of fairly naively start admitting their doubts and mm. openly talking about them, and that that can, you know can I guess get them into trouble. Um, mm. But I, I personally was very aware of any you know anybody that asked me oh, you know why have you come off from being a minister of servants, Stephen? You know, well, I just felt I needed a break. You know, I was not going to tell them um That I was reevaluating my faith and checking for myself mm. whether I believed it or not. You know, I just wasn't yeah. going to tell them that. I told my wife that, but I didn't tell them tell the elders or other no. helpful people <laughs> any of that <laughs> stuff because you know where that can lead. But it, it kind of it's quite. um I find found it quite. It made me feel like a fool in many respects because it, it's like you can't explain yourself, and I, I've always. I know you don't have to explain yourself, but I've always kind of wanted to. So, you know, some of you say, well, why don't you come anymore, Stephen? Or why why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? I feel like I'd like to explain. This is why, you know, because of this and this. But you end up saying something really lame, don't you? Because you can't say it. So you just end up looking like a bit of a a lazy person. You
1: end up looking... (laughs) wishy-washy, don't exactly. you? Like, you know, yeah. you can't be bothered anymore. Exactly. Which is how I feel as well, to be honest, Stephen. But ultimately, like you've just said, you can't no. really go down that road with no. them because they're so indoctrinated that they won't listen anyway. Yeah. And it's almost, in some respects, it's almost not worth your energy. And I know that probably sounds a well, bit defeatist. Well, it's... But um, it's just... Yeah,
0: it's, it's not worth... Well, I've, I've always... um I talk about this in the, in the pod that's coming out next week, but I try to take a kind of very rational view on, you know, should I do this or should I do that? And, and if I, if I decide to spill my guts about how I'm feeling, um, to an elder, you know, if that's going to cause me a lot of trouble later on, then I'm going to think to myself, do you know what? I'm just not going to say it. Um, Mm. so I think, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that, that I felt I had to do it. um, and yeah. up, up to now, I've not been disfellowshipped. So, um, <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe they'll come after me now. I don't know. 25 years <laughs> later, you think they'd leave me alone now. But, uh, well, you would think. think so. uh, right. Reasons for leaving then. So there was quite a few different reasons for leaving. Um, and I guess there's no massive um, surprises here. But uh, learning information inconsistent with the doctrine um, was one of them. And that would maybe come from teachers or counselors or peers or um atheists or apostates so yeah. those were uh, reasons why people cited yeah. uh, leaving yeah. um and other times other reasons people left were negative group experiences yeah um and i i think that's right i think that they're the two categories so for me it was yeah. the information bit and i think for other people it's about the relationships I don't know what it was yeah. for you. Um,
1: for me, it started off with a negative experience. Right. Um, and then that leaned into then asking myself right. questions. Yes. And then I started learning the information was inconsistent. So I think one will lean into the other, won't it? Yeah. So you'll start with one and you'll probably get, you'll leaning to the other as well probably, so, uh, probably um, if
0: it's that if it's that way around the way around you described um yes. for me i i never i never had a problem with people um so yeah. i I've, I've never had that it, i've it's but that I, maybe i'm lucky because nothing yeah. terrible's happened to me um, yes. um within the organization i know no others it has so yeah that's
1: yeah different. no you're right you're right um, Yeah. so that that's probably the way around mm. that works for that way but perhaps not the other mm. Um, I think with you, with what you said about you know questioning doctrines and teachings, um, I think that for me, I, I had always, always bubbled away at the back of my mind something's not quite right. Yeah. But you don't because you're taught not to even investigate anything that's suffer any other source of information. You kind of bury it. Mm. I mean, going back to um. One of the people that, one of the ladies that was part of the study, um, she said to um, Sophia, she said, along the way from childhood through my mission, there were questions that came up, but I put them on a shelf. Yes. And all these things, for example, history that is troubling, you put them on the shelf. And then someday when you're dead, then you can talk to God about it and get your answers. And she said, it's just a way of shoving it aside, not dealing with it. And then she said, so I had several things up on the shelf. And when I saw the church leaders being dishonest, dishonest, it gave me permission to take them down off Mm. the shelf and start asking myself the questions. And I can sort of relate to that because you... I always used to think to myself, some of the nonsense I used to hear Mm. from the platform, and I used to look around and I used to think, is everybody just agreeing with this? You know, I've got quite a big problem with the um, way that women are treated in the the religion, and I used to really struggle. And I used to think to myself, surely I cannot be the only woman (laughs) that finds this really, really disheartening and on and on and on lots of different other things that used to bother me but you just kind of like these lady said you just put them up on the shelf because you just think oh i'll deal with it another time
0: mm. yeah it's quite it's quite interesting that and the the shelf analogy um yeah we've um we, we've done a little um uh, well again it's not a proper study but we have collected all the different analogies that people have used um My, and it's really interesting um so that's the shelf one's quite a regular one. I think even um, Janja Yanya Lalich talked about that when she came on the show. Um yeah. that you've you know, you've got a bookshelf and you keep putting things up on the shelf. Uh, and eventually the shelf gets really weak and it breaks, you know, and then you've you've, you've <laughs> yeah. got to deal with it. But yeah, you're right. And for Jehovah's Witnesses, there is this um this belief that, yeah, we don't know everything now, but in the new system it'll all be revealed, you know. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really nice little cop out that can damp down that cognitive dissonance you know yeah oh don't worry yeah. about it now you know
1: yes yeah because yeah. i always got that stephen if mm. i ever did ask questions yeah. to my parents or something you always get well you've got to have faith that's right we don't know the answer to that that's right just have faith yeah and i used to think well, i can't have faith i need to know what why yeah. i'm believing what i'm believing
0: yeah that's right and i think i think there does come a point well like the shelf analogy you know there's just too much on that shelf you know <laughs> you yeah. look at all that's on the shelf now it's it's more than than isn't on the shelf so you've 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 got a problem then um so yeah Yeah. i think that that was my problem i felt like there was too much um i struggled with you know evolution made a lot of sense um the idea that all the animals came from the ark would mean that you they had to evolve and if you know that they evolved from that then what's to stop them evolving further you know so the idea of evolution
1: was always a problem to me. See that's really interesting because i I asked because we're on, now on noah's Ark, about, that. so I did ask that question mm. um about that, and um I said, you know, like we I don't understand how all the animals oh. and all the creatures in all the whole mm. universe, the whole world sorry were on this ark, and um, but the answer I was given was um it was Jehovah's holy spirit, so Jehovah. Created, uh, enabled it to happen, and created more animals from the animals that came oh. out of the ark. I thought you were going to say it made like, it like a
0: Tardis, was bigger on the I, inside.
1: No, <laughs> I mean I was just like, yeah, Tardis.
0: That would have worked.
1: But th- this, I is, mean, this... speaking from my family, my uh, in my family particularly, my father, he's convinced about mm. Noah's ark and stuff, and um, I know there's there's a archaeological um there's an idea that they, they found the ark isn't there on the top of the there's terrain. always an
0: idea that they found the ark when oh, i was growing yeah. up there was an idea that they'd found it in turkey um yes yeah, yeah. it's always been that they'll they'll find a boat they'll find some sort of boat <laughs> it's inevitable yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's quite interesting actually i was watching um uh Sorry, I am leaping around a little bit with what we're talking about. I was watching World's Most Dangerous Roads the other day. Oh, yes. I don't know if you've ever seen that program. It's where uh, comedians get Mm. in a car and try out all these crazy Mm. roads all over the world. And they were in Ethiopia. And um, they were going to visit a temple that allegedly has got the Ark of the Covenant Mm. in it. That's right. And they asked the question to the monk in charge of the church, why do you think the Ark of the Covenant has come to rest here in Ethiopia of all places? <laughs> you know, mm. and of course, they were being respectful because obviously yeah. it's his beliefs. And it, he was saying, oh, it is it is God's it's God's will mm. and all this. And he, he had dedicated his life to looking after this uh, church temple where mm. no one else was allowed in. Mm. So he, I don't think he'd even actually even seen it himself. Mm. He just believed it was in there. Yeah. And I just think, wow the power of indoctrination is it is
0: just... extraordinary it really is yeah, yeah absolutely yeah mm. so um so yeah all those kind of things would um would would bother me but I think yeah the um, the, the bookshelf just gets a bit um a bit too it's full bit in found. the end doesn't it yeah absolutely <laughs> um should we skip to the uh the leaving process in the the kind of the, the psychological impact of that because i think yeah. there's some really interesting things there so because that's really at the core of her research isn't it we just kind of go back mm-hmm. to her question she's um, interested in how they maintain this membership we've kind of talked about that with some of the things like the language and all of that um and then one of the uh, the questions were how do the social influences commonly observed within cortic groups impact an individual's ability to leave and adjust to life outside? So in terms of leaving, what, what is the psychological impact from
1: her? I think, well, if, if we're going to talk about the psychological impact, um, the first one that she talked about, lots of rumination. Yeah. She said, she had, you know, the, tended to study or go over, repeat all the different things that didn't make sense or angled mm. them. Um, so basically constantly looking at, at things to try and uh, convince yourself one way or the other. And um, her point was that at the beginning, this does serve a function because obviously yeah. you're getting your thoughts in the strike, you're getting you know, your mind in, a, in the straight strike. But then you get – it could be negative
0: because
1: mm. eventually – you could find yourself all consumed or, yeah. you, you know, you start to experience depression. Mm. Um, so that's one of the ways.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that uh, that was, again, um, stuck out to me, that the rumination question. It seems like mm. it's really useful when you're leaving, in the process of leaving, because you're, you know, you're obviously trying to work out what you think about all these, all these questions, um, and you're you're trying to make up your mind what you think. Um, but when you leave, there is a danger that you can carry that on um, at the same intensity. Um, mm. And I, I don't know about you, but I kind of recognise that in myself. Mm. I, I don't know if you identify. Oh, right.
1: I do. Yeah. I mean, when I left and woke up, as we call it, you know, to do the <laughs> the truth about the truth. <laughs> <All of that laughs> you all know. I was obsessed. Mm. I was, anything I could get my hands on that um, was giving me information about the other side that, of the, you know, questioning of the beliefs of the of the religion. Yeah. Um, I was just, anything, I was reading it, I was watching it, I was listening to it, you know, podcasts and stuff. Mm. It just in, in consumed me. Mm. And, of course, at the time, for me, it happened during the beginning of the covid yes. pandemic. Mm. So of course I was at home as we all were. So it was just all I did. Mm. All I did. Mm. And you do get to the point where you kind of wear yourself out with it in the end, don't you?
0: I think so, yeah. And it's it's strange because I feel like I didn't when I first left once I'd made my decision, yeah. I I really focused on career and things like that and that was where I put all my efforts, but um, I've only really over the last sort of five six years started to revisit it, and it's then and it's now that I've got to be careful.
1: Why do you think you um? Why do you think you delayed that?
0: Um, I, I did have a feeling that I just wanted to leave it all behind me. I just wanted to forget right. about it. I'd made my decision. I wanted to get on with life. Um, I was thirty, around thirty, and I just wanted to um, I needed to kickstart the career and I needed to mm. to decide what I wanted to do about all sorts of things in life. Um, mm. and I just felt, yeah, I just felt like I just didn't want to deal with that anymore. And I was also a little bit embarrassed about it all. So I I really wanted mm. to forget about it all and just, you know, be a new me. I think I, I, I wanted to be a new person and, um, um, mm. I changed my haircut and I, I, you know, I started to, um, I didn't get a tattoo, which I know is something a lot of people do. Um, but I, um, I did think about an ear piercing, but then I thought I'm a bit too old Brilliant. for that now. But no, I did all... I, did I, you grow your hair longer? Uh, no, not really. But I did have it no. styled a bit more, um, you know, I was still... Worldly. I still like to think, yes, exactly. I was still quite young. I mean, I was in my 30s, but I was, you know, early 30s. So I was... And um, I
1: suppose, without yeah. being rude to you... Obviously, it was twenty years ago. Did you say? Oh yeah, 20, you, I'm 54. So now, I don't so, suppose okay. the sources were there at the time, were they? No. You know, internet was in its infancy, no. and the know, best you got just...
0: was the odds news group. I think um, that so in the olden days of of the internet, all, <laughs> all you got was email and discussion or news groups, and you joined a news group, mm. and I suppose it's what like Reddit is now. I suppose, but it was mm. um, much much less. Um, I mean, you know, Reddit's quite simple, but it was very, it was even simpler than that. Um, yeah, and it was—I couldn't be bothered with it. I just wanted to get on with mm. with life, so I didn't really do any of that stuff. Um, yeah, until fairly recently. And
1: what? And what? Uh, I'm just interested. Mm. What reignited your interest and your desire to revisit your old beliefs? And I don't, you know, I don't
0: know actually. I, I did stumble across one of Lloyd's videos. It was the one. um about the finances the way that the kingdom Mm. halls had been essentially um kind of tricked out of the out of the local congregation you know so so at one point they because when i was there you know your your local congregation did actually own own the hall essentially and um the society spiritually were that were over the organization but in terms of the building it belonged to the, uh, to the congregation and, um, there were trustees there who held it in trust for the congregation. Um, and obviously they, they changed that arrangement so that they suddenly picked up all this real estate. Um, mm. and I just found that really interesting. I just stumbled across it. And so I just listened to that and, um, I thought well, that's, yeah, that's really interesting, but I do remember it had quite an impact on me. Um, it, um, yeah, it's funny. I've not really thought about this. It, uh, I did start to go revisit some of the feelings I I'd, I'd never really dealt with it I suppose is one of the mm. the problems um I'd never actually dealt with it so I tried to leave it behind get on with my life but I hadn't actually addressed some of the the difficulties that I'd experienced so I think this all kind of brought it up so yeah I had a bit of a yeah. bit of a wobble um but I I did find that it was interesting and useful but again as we're saying I did find myself kind of just getting a bit Sucked into that, so that that was all I was watching on YouTube, and um
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, so I needed to get. a I bit don't of, think that's something.
1: a bad thing, you know, for anybody that's listening that's just no, starting off on their journey at all. It's, you have to, because you haven't, you know, it, it. You have to research. That's the that's the name of the game, really. Because if you don't do that, you've got no idea what you what you want to think for yourself.
0: I think it's a really useful resource. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Um, I would. I suppose what I would say is. Um, also to you know to read I know uh, it's a bit old-fashioned but I, I think reading is really good um yes you know I always kind of I'm always a bit amused when people uh, people say I've done a lot of research oh yeah what research you've done well I've watched this YouTube channel and I've watched this YouTube <laughs> that's not research <laughs>
1: that's watching a
0: video you know
1: um, yeah. so I do I'm mean, watching somebody else who's yeah exactly research.
0: exactly <laughs> which there is an absolute you know there's a definite place for that it's fantastic um, and I do like the fact that we have so many different voices. I can't keep up with them all. Um, yeah, there's more and more all the time, that's right, isn't that? but you know, all, all power to to that, I think. Um, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's um, I, I do think that we, we were talking about rumination there, and I think that that rumination mm-hmm. is a really interesting I tend to be a ruminator anyway, it is a psychological characteristic it's one of the things that psychologists talk about if you happen to be a person that ruminates a lot um then that can actually it can be a bit of a sign that you might suffer a little bit from um things like depression and so on because you do tend to dwell on things Uh, i've always been like that so i guess it's it's one of those characteristics that i guess we either have or we don't yeah Um, um yeah for sure. What fit did you um so one of the things that she talks about in her research is um, some of the uh participants talked about their fears. Um did you have any fears about you know dying at armageddon and things like that?
1: Um when I left yeah oh, when you left I, yeah. yeah um well quite interestingly I um was able to debunk that hmm. teaching quite soon after I left. Initially, obviously, it still hung over me for the first month or so, but I did actually manage to do some research on it and just find out it was all a load of nonsense myself. So actually, I've been quite lucky in that respect. But I know, for example, Jexit 2020, Mm. Riley, Mm. he talks about how he decided to leave the religion, Mm. Jehovah's Witnesses, Um, and it was a whole year before he woke up Mm. so he was out of the religion much like yourself but he wasn't actually mentally out that's right so he said the when the pandemic hit and um obviously uh, Jehovah's Witnesses were all like I hate to say jumping for joy but you know what they Mm. any sort of world disaster oh, yeah. and it's all yeah. sign of the times oh, isn't it and it's all kicks them off into yeah. you know it's that excitement <laughs> um and he said he was worrying and panicking and having mm. night terrors about yeah. armageddon because he thought this is it, it's gonna happen yeah. um and i can understand that because when i was in when i was mentally and physically in i was in um, when i don't know if you remember the um, French Parisian attacks, mm. the terrorist attacks. Mm. And I, um, was at the period in time when those that happened, I was quite mentally low anyway. And that, that, those attacks triggered a breakdown in me because oh I was so convinced Armageddon was starting mm. that it set me off like obsessing and stuff and made me quite poorly mm. so the whole doctrine of armageddon and stuff hanging over people if they have not mentally fully woken up mm. they've just left because they don't particularly want to be part of the religion anymore it must be absolutely terrifying mm. i can't even begin to imagine leading my life mm. with that hanging over me because it was too hard enough when i was in it and mm. i thought it was going to happen yeah don't you think
0: absolutely yeah i, I think you know some of the, some of the, her responders respondents or participants did have those fears and i guess you're yeah. right it depends uh, we we call it um don't we physically out mentally in yeah. so for somebody that's that's left or that has been put out uh, maybe these fellowship or something um then they may still believe it all so they they're still yeah. bought into all the belief system
1: Oh yeah, mm. definitely. I mean, um, some of the um experiences that the governing body have been given recently quite excitedly about um people returning to the religion because of the pandemic. Mm. It's clear that people that have been out, like you've just said, for yeah. disfellowshipment or they've left or drifted away, it has triggered them to go back to the religion because they think this mm. is it, Armageddon's coming
0: yeah so my question there is what happens in in a year's time two years time when when the pandemic's gone you know i I do know yeah. people that would come and go like that when i was a witness they'd they'd yeah they'd, they'd come on a bit of a um yeah they'd rally a bit after some sort of or during some sort of international crisis and um and yeah. then they'd go again you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um
0: yeah so um so yeah, I I never experienced that myself. Um I think I think deep down I, I'd always found all of that very kind of almost like a fantasy, like a science fiction mm-hmm. thing. It just didn't feel real to me. Um yeah. what well, when I got when I grown up. I mean, when I was a child, yeah, I definitely thought that was all we, we didn't park near churches, were you like that?
1: <laughs> you didn't park near churches. No.
0: No, we didn't park what near you, churches because no, no. they'd come oh, down you know we didn't want a car oh, to get really? to sense... <laughs> no no never
1: had yeah, that so one we, we were
0: looking at a house um when i was a child mum and dad were looking yeah. at a house and there was one next to a church we, we thought we can't yeah. have that one because um obviously if the what? church falls down we don't want to get uh get caught in that um,
1: Gosh, isn't it funny? Some of these little, uh familiar, you know, interested interests, interests yeah. that people have got. You're just like, wow. I mean, I think, you know, was and a little... of course, that would have been drummed into you. So, as yeah. an adult, you probably always avoid churches
0: Kind of. <laughs> I mean, there was, I think, there was a little bit of a, a kind of knowing smile to it as well. You know, it's kind of half joke, but I, I there was definitely, yeah, we don't really want to. We don't want to be too close to the church, because uh, it might fall down <laughs> on us. I
1: love that one. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that that's um, I
1: can, you know, uh, that that definitely came out of of her research. Again, going back to our beliefs, when we were growing up, there was lots of things like, you know, you can't, or you've got to be moderate in your alcohol, or you know, some people took that to the extreme where mm. they didn't drink alcohol at all. So if they were obviously leaving the religion, now they have got the choice, if they want to, to drink alcohol. Mm. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm terrified of alcohol. I know somebody mm. that's never touched alcohol as a Jehovah's Witness.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, like, all the other things. I mean, when I was growing up, there were some families that, like, didn't even have television. Mm. They were obsessed with, like, yeah. not having televisions and stuff. And I just I used to think I had boring, mm. you know, even as a child. But, like... That's how extreme some people are, and if anybody that's grew up in that sort of household leaves, I can imagine the world be quite a terrifying place really
0: yeah, that's right um there's there's some i think that the the deeper you are in it, the harder it is when you when you leave i mean that that would seem yeah. logical um to be honest um yeah, and not succeeding was another one of those fears, so yeah when you leave yeah. you're you're not you know you how how can you succeed in the world? You know the world's a a terrible place, and it's full of liars, and yeah, you know, it's it's all
1: people that are out to double cross you. Exactly. And all
0: mm.
1: um, so you basically fear of trusting other people. Absolutely. As well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm. Um, and then the other part of it, the last part, was the after. So she split this up into whilst in the way that the organisation keeps you in, um, then the process of leaving. So that's what we've just talked about. And then she talks a little bit about the after bit. So we've we've strayed onto that a little bit, I think. But um after there's some negative psychological and emotional impacts. Um and again, identity loss is one of those. Mm. Uh feeling lost with no purpose, um, decimation of beliefs and morals, uh, depression and anxiety. Um and I've, again, you know, that is I didn't know who I was is one of the things that keeps coming out over and over again in these discussions, people saying Mm. that, you know, I didn't know who I was. In fact, I said it myself in one of my episodes where I talk about my story. I felt the same. It's like, you know, who am I now? You know, what, what, Mm. what, yeah. And I think that is uh, one of the biggest uh, difficulties for people and, and the area perhaps where people need some real help, to I, mm. you sort of find themselves, you know, to, to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's a really interesting one. I I was trying to explain it to somebody that I work with who I told my experience to. Oh, yeah. And um, I said, the only way I can explain it is growing up as, imagine an alien, On planet Earth, but obviously I look human. Mm. But I'm actually, I'm an alien, so I don't, I'm observing humans rather than being part of humankind. And now I've left and I've, you know, now I can do what everybody else does. And it's like, well, what do I do first? (laughs) You know, like, what should I do? And and I made a list myself of things I would like to do and accomplish, you know, from quite big Mm. things to small Mm. things. And I've been like, no, you know, in no particular order, just working my way through various bits and bobs. And um I think that's helped because yeah. it's kind of given me things to achieve and feel that mm. I've done something that I've always wanted to do even in some cases, but because they weren't allowed, I've never done it. And I'm not mm. talking about like, you no, know, particularly in the normal worlds, you know, view as naughty or bad. I'm talking about things like give blood or mm get a double ear piercing, you know, or, (laughs) you know, simple things like that. Mm. Um, Anything really that if somebody is feeling like this, I think that would help. If you just write a few little notes down, is there something you've always wanted to do? Mm. Or if you've always considered as a book you've always wanted to read that you've avoided, perhaps Mm. like Richard Dawkins, you know, the the God doctrine or something, you know, Give yourself permission to to do it, to read Mm. that, or to watch watch a horror film because you can now. Yeah, watch Harry Potter if you want to. You know, (laughs) anything like that. Yeah, do it. Yeah, Mm. no, it's
0: great. It's good advice. I think that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose perhaps linked to that is um, is that the wasted time, anger. So anger was a was another category in, in the negative responses, and I definitely felt that from you know, I'd, I'd have periods of absolute rage, um, Mm. about the wasted time. Um, you know, so I, I, I didn't get my degree. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a career. I didn't have any experience. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything to be ashamed of. I didn't do anything (laughs) <laughs> you know that i you didn't, regret you haven't got any
1: naughty stories no to
0: <laughs> exactly
1: and I, I mean in
0: a way now i think about it, I'm, I'm glad i didn't really but i didn't uh, you know i felt almost i regretted the fact that i would just not lived and i yeah. hadn't been able to accomplish anything so uh, and when i i found that when you know everybody's career goes through ups and downs don't they yeah and uh when there's times that i just wasn't able to kind of accomplish what I wanted to, it was then that the anger would, would come up again because I'd feel, you know, it's, it's this thing that's stopping me. It's this, it's I started yeah. late, you know, so I was, I've talked about this on, on the podcast before, you know, I was a bit of a, a quite aggressive at work to, to get what I wanted and to kind of, because I felt like I started late, you know, I was sat on a help mm. desk with 22 year olds, you know, when mm. I was 32 and, I know that's not a huge age gap, but I was the oldest one there, and I just felt like I was just behind, you know. And it really, yeah. Um, yeah. so I think that there's a lot of anger there, and, and I do think oh, you definitely. see
1: that, definitely. Um, yeah, there's definitely that because, from my point of view, I've had to just, um, I've had. I don't know about whether you did this, with, uh, Stephen, but I went through some counselling. Because I had to, because Mm. with the anger and... Mm. From my point of view, I haven't had my own family. Yeah. Because taught it's the Mm. end of the world's coming. You don't have children in this system. You're going to have children in the new system, blah, blah, blah. You know, the old rule. Mm. And the kind of... The boat has kind of passed for me now Mm. because of my age. And I was so angry Mm. because... It was just like they've they've taken something really big there. Mm. That's something mm. massive, and I just had to work my way through it with help from the counselor. And mm. i just had to think to myself, well, from my point of view, it's gone. There's nothing I can do about it now. So I'm going to have to focus on positive things that I have got and mm. positive things in the future. And that's how I'm I'm coping with it because yeah. that's just that's my personal way of doing it because. Yeah otherwise you just become like you've just said this big ball of mm, anger yeah and, and where do you go with it, it you just make yourself feel really because they don't care they're carrying on
0: in their little court world exactly it doesn't rather <laughs> that's right it doesn't it, it really only damages yourself but i think it's a natural and normal response but yeah if you can Definitely. get some help to work your way through that that sounds like a really good idea um yeah i mean i have had um i, I, I did go to a hypnotherapist which didn't help at all really um i couldn't <laughs> I,
1: tried I couldn't this, get well hip, no, hypnotized no could you? would you did you were you able to be hypnotized no. i don't think i even went under i couldn't no no, <sighs> no. and um i do know people <sighs> yeah. who have had it and have said that they, they've been hit. i'm thinking to like, oh, myself, i was just listening to them droning on I about into to a nice place and all this it's like nothing's <laughs> happening <laughs>
0: I think I nodded <laughs> off a couple of times, but I don't think that that really counts, does it?
1: Um, oh, I'm like you. You name it, I've tried it. I've tried <laughs> hypnotherapy. I've tried um, oh, what's some of the needles that they pull I'm over acupuncture. you? Acupuncture, acupuncture, mm. reflexology. Mm. You know, all these things I've tried them.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, I don't
0: know. Um, I, I, I think I still. I've not written out um I've not um, given up on the idea of therapy but it, it's very no. difficult to um access it at the moment um through yeah. the NHS so I might yeah. um, I might do it privately at some point. I but, did it um, privately. Yeah. It's uh it's probably a good idea. Um yeah, but I think um so I wouldn't I would certainly um you know I think it, it well one of the things actually that that came from the uh the research transition recommendations um was to have a mentor. Um, mm. And that could be a specialized cult therapist. So there's quite a lot of discussion at the moment about how to help people um, in therapy, whether you need a specialized therapist who understands this process um, mm-hmm. or if it's if it's, you know, just get a good therapist who can um help you through the various different difficulties you're having. Um, I don't think we know the answer to that yet. Um, but there aren't enough specialised court therapists to go around, I think is probably the,
1: the difficult. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. My um counselor, she was um a she herself had been brought up in a right. high control group. Mm-hmm. So though she wasn't a specialist per se, she got her own life experiences which she was able to relate to. So yeah. I was quite lucky with that That's because i Mm. um i actually um found her through the nhs but i continued my because then you only get semi-sessions with the nhs don't you Mm. um but yeah i would definitely recommend some sort of um therapy emotional support to people that are struggling for sure
0: cool yeah um yeah
1: so that that i don't
0: think there's anything else we've we've kind of gone over the hour now so um we've yeah. we've only again we've only covered one i think we both said how much we enjoyed her presentation um yeah and it kind of makes you a little bit proud i know it's got nothing to do with us but she's an ex jehovah's witness and you oh, think, i thought that
1: too yeah you think yeah. good on her don't you i thought that i thought exactly the same thing great minds think alike yeah
0: exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, it brought a little tear to your eye and you thought, great, you know, you've got, yeah. uh, especially for a woman, young woman, you think, you yeah. know, she's now got, um, I'm sure she's going to have a great career ahead of her and yeah, great, fantastic, I'm so glad she's um, she's done that and, and she's obviously studying and, and so on, so yeah, it'd be great to get yeah. her on the show one day maybe, I'm, I'm going to see if I can... Um, can get in contact with her, and it would be lovely. I, to, I to would be
1: really her. interested if you could do that, Steve, I think yeah. she'd be like a great guest.
0: Cool. Well, that's um, that's really interesting. Um, yes. Thank you very much for going You're through welcome. that with us. Um, I was going to call you Doctor Bob then, sorry, producer Bob. <laughs> <The> Doctor Bob. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was great. Very, very interesting.
1: What should I think about? Is an evil sheep production.